You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Excellent. Well, it's good to be here again. Um, we started a new a series called Destination Known. And it's a good topic because where you're going is really important in life, especially when it comes to travel. Now, I have loved to travel for as long as I can remember. As a young lad, me and my two brothers and mum and dad, we would go camping. Who remembers those sorts of tents? We had a green one and a red one. And Mum and Dad would take us everywhere. We went into the Flinders, we went to Wilpena Pound, we went to uh, other places in the Flinders I can't think of right now, Alligator Gorge and those sorts of places, Melrose, and we used to camp generally in winter because we used to go away in the winter holidays there. And in the summer holidays, we might go to places like Victor Harbour and, and places like that. My dad hated Victor Harbour because a man had got sand in, his, in between his toes and he didn't like that at all. But we used to love it. No distractions. No TV, just family around a campfire and, and just be together. It was, it was amazing. And we always, when we knew where we were going, we were so excited. And this has uh, gone on into my adult life. I love travel. And I think the catalyst was in 2014, I went to, to be in a part of a wedding in India and, uh, for Don's daughter. And it was, India is the most incredible place you can ever go to. Yes, I know it looks funny. I see people laughing at me. But we had to wear it. We were a part of the wedding, right? This is a genuine thing. This wasn't a dress-up party. You've never seen anything with so much colour as a, a wedding from India. It goes for three days. It is incredible. It was the longest three days of my life, but it was the best three days of my life. And we saw everything. We were surrounded by the culture and the smells, all of which was incredible. And in India, we went to New Delhi, and we went to the Taj Mahal, which is just an incredible thing to see. And we went to, this is Mumbai, so that's the Mumbai Hotel that got bombed and they made a movie about it. We went there and saw that. We went to Dharavi, which is the biggest slum in the world. It's uh, one square kilometre where 13 million people live, uh, sorry, 3 million people live in a square kilometre and they share one toilet for 13,000 people. And it was an amazing experience. We went through that and then we ended up in a place called Varanasi, which is on the Ganges and we went along the river and we watched them doing ceremonial uh, burnings of people at the end of their life. It was an incredible thing. India was an amazing place. So when I came back from India, I had this desire to see so much more of the world. So I said to Anna, we're going to go and see more of the world. We want to, there's so much out that we don't know, so we're going to go see it, and we love it. What I love about travel is you can tell a person by where they're from, can't you? So if I put up a picture of this bloke, where's he from? Africa, the cheapest, really? <laughs> what about this guy? Where's he from? Obviously, in America. What about these happy dancers? Holland, well done. This is good. The game's gone. What about these ones? Germany, that's Klaus. What about this bloke? New Zealand. For our New Zealand friends, there he is. Wave my hand. That's it. What about that person? Japan. Japan is a fantastic place, isn't it, Adrian and Danielle? We loved it. What about this fella? It's Australia. I. It is Australia. Well done. Australia. I love that you can tell where people come from by the passport they hold. And that's really important. And I'm going to share a bit about that in a minute. 
But together, Anna and myself, we've been absolutely blessed to go around many places in the world now. Uh, but there was one trip that revealed something that was really important and made me think about this message. One, in 2019, it was the last trip we went on. I said to Anna for her birthday, I'm going to take you away, love. It's going to be fantastic. But I'm not going to tell you where we're going. We're just going to go on this trip. And I was like, yes, that'll be great. So off we went, and I started doing all the preparation. And as time went on, Anna kept saying, where are we going? I said, I'm not telling you, it's a secret. But I need to know, you don't need to know. I've got it all controlled, no worries. Getting closer and closer, Anna's like, I need to know, where are we going? I said, I'm not telling you. She started thinking we were going to Africa or something, or I don't know, somewhere that we're going to live on the street and eat street food off of, I don't know, dead people. I don't know what she was thinking. (laughs) So we kept going on and on and on. You need to tell me, and she was getting angry. I'm going, like, this is going to be fun. And you're yelling at me, like... Anyway, I said, all right, we're going to Kuala Lumpur. Like, it wasn't... We're going to Kuala Lumpur, it was nice. So Anna said, oh, that's fantastic. Then she could research it. And she looked at the cultures over there and where you could go and see and what you can do and how many great attractions there are. By the time we left, she was more excited to go than I was. Without knowing the destination of where Anna was going, she became very anxious. It made things worse in her head. And she made things up, like I said. She honestly thought we were going to deepest, darkest India and living in some kind of slum, but she made these things up that were never going to happen. Once she knew the destination, everything became easy. And she knew where she was going and nothing concerned her. She was able to look into where she was going and the rest is easy. And by the time we left, like I say, she was more excited than I was to go. And the point is this today, that knowing our destination brings peace. Knowing our destination removes anxieties. As Christians, we should know that our destination is heaven. We are on earth, but it's just temporal. Our citizenship is in heaven. I'm not an Australian citizen, I'm a POM. I've got an English passport and I have a visa that says I can return to Australia. I uh, could become an Australian. I Actually, if you ask me, I'm Australian. Other than where I was born, I love Australian cricket and everything like that. But the fact is I'm an English citizen. I've thought about becoming an Australian citizen, but I have to go and sit a test and answer 50 questions to answers I probably won't even get right. The only one I've seen was I know who Don Bradman is. Other than that, I might struggle. Yeah, that's one of the questions in Are You a Citizen of Australia? Who's Don Bradman? Uh, the other thing is it costs you about four or $500 to do it. So I thought, I already live here, I pay my taxes here while to become a citizen. But the fact is, everybody in this room... Sorry? There you go, New Zealander. Excellent. Now, the fact is that everybody in this room, if you've given your life to Jesus today, you're already a dual citizen. You already have dual citizenship. It's a great word to say. That's, that's the thing. We're all dual citizens. I'm never, I am never saying the word citizen again. You may laugh, but you don't have my teeth. When our focus is on our destination, it changes everything, just like it did for Anna. Knowing that we are citizens of heaven takes our focus from the here and now and puts it on the there and then. It removes all distractions of the world and helps us to narrow in on what we are called to do. And it gives us an internal focus, an external focus, not an internal focus, which is really important. So often we look at the things that make us happy, which make us content and make us comfortable without ever considering once what God wants for us to do. In Philippians 3:18 to 21, it says, For many of whom I've often told you, and now to you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is a shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies 
to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to, the, to subject all things to himself. When we focus on the here and now, we run the risk of forgetting what our job is. When we focus on the me, myself, we forget what our job is. We forget about the there and them. Having a destination, as I said, removes the distractions and anxieties and helps to give us a, pur- a purpose. A friend of mine has recently retired and she said the hardest thing about retiring is she doesn't have a purpose. She feels like she hasn't got a purpose anymore. She says she wakes up feeling lost. She said when you don't know where you're going or what you're doing, it's very hard to have a purpose. She said you lose sight of your purpose when where you're going is uncertain. And it's so true. When my dad retired from his job of 30 years, he said every morning he woke up and thought, what am I going to do? He had no idea where he was going. And he said the same thing. He said, I feel lost. I feel like I don't have a purpose. He didn't know what to do with his life. He said he'd wake up and have an ache and think there was something wrong with him. Or he woke up every day thinking there was something wrong. Something just wasn't right because he no longer went to his job. He didn't have direction. He didn't have a purpose. He didn't have a destination. Now, fortunately, he loved travelling and that became their destination. They travelled all around Australia after that. And as Christians, we run the risk of having no purpose when we take our focus from the fact that our destination is heaven. We can get so caught up with everything else that's going on around us that we miss our purpose. And our purpose here is very important. It's the kind of thing that makes you want to get up every morning and look for every opportunity that the day brings. And here's the great news. You don't actually have to be retired to know what your purpose is. You know, you can sit here today, you just need to change your focus. You're not Glenn the carpet cleaner, you're not Matt the pastor, you know. You're not Paul the unbelievable steel metal worker. You're all ambassadors for the kingdom. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm an ambassador for God. I'm someone who has to get out there and, and like you, and tell people about Jesus. Second Corinthians 5, 18 to 21 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we employ you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. That's our job as ambassadors, is to go out and tell people about Jesus. Knowing this will help us know our purpose while we walk, while we walk on the face of this temporal earth, that is, to reconcile people back to the Father. So they too can become ambassadors of God and they'll know that their destination is heaven. In the Great Commission in Mark 16, 14 to 15, says, After he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. And I know I feel like that sometimes, that I've been reclining, I've been sitting back relaxing, I'm saved, I'm fine. And God says, go into all the last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he went to heaven was go, go into the world and preach the good news to all people. It wasn't a maybe, it wasn't if you feel like it, it was go. There's an importance behind it. Our purpose, our commission, if you like, at Hope Central is this, is to reach, restore and release and we, is here, we are here as Christians and as Hope Central to re- reach the lost. And we need to show kindness to people. The world sees enough hatred as it is. And like all other citizens that we saw, do people recognise us as Christians? You know, like we recognised instantly that bloke was German, African, New Zealander. 
When people look at you, do they recognise that you're a citizen of heaven? Do they know your passport is stamped as a, a citizen of heaven, as a, as, a, as, a, um, as a Christian? What do people see when they look at you? Do they see a follower of Christ? So you need to listen to me here. Christians too often are known for what they oppose rather than what they believe. We argue about all manner of topics. I heard once where a church shut the door, they split in half because they put a mural on the wall of Adam and Eve and it had belly buttons. Some people said, well, Adam and Eve wouldn't have a belly button because they were created. Why would you have an umbilical cord? Others said, well, that's how we're meant to look. They split an entire church over a painting on the wall. What's wrong with us? Today we argue over things too, don't we? Who should be elected? Gay marriages, the abortion bill, whether we get the jab, whether we should wear masks. We still argue. I'm not saying that any of these things aren't good topics to have a, a thought about. You know, if you're not making people... If you're making people feel less than you because of your opinion, then it's detrimental to the gospel. At the end of the day, if it's not done with respect and it's not done with God in, in mind, then it's the wrong way to do it. Opinions will change nothing. My opinion will change nothing. The only thing that changes anything is the cross, the blood of Jesus and God. That is the only thing that will change things. What we think, what we say, what we strive for in life changes nothing. The gospel, the cross changes everything and it has forever. Thank you. We need to say amen to things like that. That's what we need. We need to be passionate. I want to be known for what I believe in, not for what I'm opposed to. I want people to look at me and see Jesus. I don't want them to see an angry person. We are not called up. We are not to be caught up in these things. We are called for higher things. Second Timothy 2 to 4, 4 to 6 puts it like this. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he completes competes according to the rules. And it is a hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. We are in God's army. We are God's soldiers. We are not to be entangled in the world. We are here to please the one who sent us, God. That's our job. And our reward is in heaven. It's not here on this earth. This earth will pass away. We're only fleeting. We come through. It may seem like we're here for a long time, but everything we do here is temporal and should point to the Father because that's our destination. That's where we're going. We're called to show love and respect to others. The world is watching. For the sake of our Christian witness, in a world that is full of turmoil, I really actually have one hope, that we all as Christians can believe in three things. To love God, love one another, and serve the needy. That's what we're called to do. And it's a pity we don't feel like that sometimes. Loving, sorry, we are not meant to be rebels and shake our fists because Jesus never did that. He always responded with kindness and love, and he never judged people. And there's a really challenging scripture in Peter, in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 18. It says, be subject to the Lord's, sorry, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, or to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good he shall put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honour everybody. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honour the emperor. That statement in itself, honour the emperor. The emperor back in this day was Nero. 
Nero was one of the most vile human beings that walked the face of the earth. He used to light up the driveway to his house on parties with Christians on stakes alight. And Peter here is saying, honour the emperor, love the brotherhood, love God. We're not meant to shake our fists and do this at what we don't agree with. We're meant to show love. We're meant to show God in everything we do. It's really important. Love changes everything. Now, this is usually a wedding scripture, but it tells you exactly what God thinks about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then at the end of the chapter in 13, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love. The world needs love. This message today came out of a recent event in my life. And I want to share this story, not because I want you to think, hey, this guy's got it all together, but because a month ago, I didn't have it all together. I was thinking differently. One night I was coming home actually from Matt's house and uh, I was walking home and, um, and if I get emotional about this, it's because I'm soft. But <laughs> I, was, I was walking home and, uh, and I, I just put a few extra Ks on my walk because that's good for me. And uh, as I was walking along, there was a guy laying on a footpath under a veranda. I thought, oh. so I went and talked to him and asked him how he was doing. He was good and had a bit of a chat about his life and that sort of thing and so, all right, mate, see you later. And I walked up. I walked to the top of the main street. And I came across another guy in the street. And this is 11 o'clock at night. And he's picking up rubbish off the street and putting it in the bin. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? He said, I'm picking up rubbish. He said, these dogs throw rubbish all over the place and I get in trouble for it. I said, well, why would you get in trouble for it? He said, I live around here. I said, oh, yeah, where do you live? And he said, you see the veranda over? That's all my gear. That's my, my mat and that's my sleeping bag. And, and that's where I stay. So I thought, I'm just going to talk to this chap. And I said, so... You know, can I do anything for you? Do you need anything? He said, nah, no. Nah. He said, I've got $25 in my pocket. He said, I get my pension next week. I've got some good cans of food over there, a good, good blanket, that sort of thing. I'm fine. I said, oh, okay, no worries. So we just chatting a bit longer, and, and he's just telling me his life story, basically. And I said to him, look, I don't know what you're doing next Sunday night. Sorry, yes, I'm clicking my clicker. I said, I don't know what you're doing next Sunday night, but if you're free at 5 o'clock, could I take you out for tea? And he said, why would you want to do that? I said, I don't know. I said, it's just a nice thing to do. Everybody deserves a nice thing. He said, oh, okay, if you want to. It's all right. So anyway, so I came home from church that night at about 4.30 and I drove past this guy and he's standing there with seven of his mates. And I thought, oh. I thought, he's done me in. I said, I can't afford to take seven blokes out for tea. So I went home and I said to Anna, that bloke, that bloke there, he suckered me. He's got seven of his mates standing there. That's it, I'm not doing it. Anyway, so Lockie comes over and he does something and he said, hey, you're taking that bloke out for tea, Dad? I said, no, I can't afford to take seven of his mates out for tea with me. So anyway, so Lockie goes off and he says, oh, no, that bloke's by himself now, Dad. <sighs> Got my shiva, full of the spirit. I went up there and he sees me coming. He goes, oh, you come? I said, yeah, sorry, I hope you don't mind. He said, oh, he said, I'd... He said, my feet are really sore and I'm struggling to walk at the moment, so I didn't want to look like I was ungrateful, but I just can't walk to the pub and have tea with you. I said, well, that's all right. How about I buy you something and bring you back? He said, oh, if you want to. I don't want to seem like a bludger. And I said, mate, the reason I'm doing this for you is not once have you asked me for anything. You just tell, we're just talking. So 
when Gunderson Freedom, he sat down on the concrete and had a chat, and there he proceeded to tell me his, his life story. And, you know, you, you walk past homeless people every day, or you walk past people and you look at them and you judge them and you think, you know, go get a job, mate. Tidy yourself up. This sort of thing. I do. I'm, I'm being honest. I used to look at people and think, just go get a job. Do something. So this guy's telling me his story. I said, how long have you been on the street? And he said, I left home when I was 14. He said, my, my, my dad died and my mum got a boyfriend who used to beat me all the time. He said, and for my 14th birthday, he just gave me an absolute flogging instead of giving me a present. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I left. The guy's 48 years old. He left home when he was 14 to go and live on the street because he got bashed every day by a bloke he didn't even know. And I have the cheek to walk past him and say, get a job, mate. It changed, no, it just changed my life. This bloke said to me something that changed my life forever. I said to him, what is the one thing you need most in life? Of all the things you don't have, of all the things that have been taken from you, what's the one thing you need most? And he said... I don't want to be judged and I want to be loved and have someone to love. And I thought, this guy's got it. This guy has it in spades. Everybody in this world doesn't want to be judged and everybody wants to be loved. And this guy sitting on the street is teaching me this lesson. I think, oh, man. Love conquers all. Love sets the captives free. And love reaches people. No argument or opinion ever will. If we want to reach people for the gospel... We need to love them as we are loved by the Father. And once we've reached them, we need to restore them. And you cannot restore anything unless you have a connection with it. This car, that's not a car, that's something... <laughs> that's not even in my slides. That is earth with love. Because <laughs> the world needs love. Amen. Thanks for coming. All right. This car, you need to be hands-on, is the point. This car could never be restored by wishing it into being. You cannot say to that car, tidy yourself up, go and get a paint job, and you're going to be good. But when you put your hands to something, when you get out and do the work, when it gets restored, oh, man, it looks incredible, doesn't it? A house cannot be restored by wishing it into being. You put paint to it in your hand, you put the work into it, it could look like that. People cannot be restored if you don't do anything about it. God is in the restoration business and he can change lives like never before. He can take the broken and make them restored. God is in the business of restoring people. Now, we've talked about homeless people and people who are struggling in life and God restores them. But every day, God is restoring average, everyday people who are broken vessels. He changes their life and he makes them new. And changes them. Everybody is a broken vessel. <laughs> Everyone. I don't know why that stopped on there, Matt. Uh, everybody needs to be restored back to God. And when we remember this, we see someone who's a little different to us, who dresses a little different to us, who has a lifestyle <laughs> that is different to us, they're just broken vessels and they need God's love. And there isn't a vessel he can't fix. Let's reach out to all and help them be restored back to God and release release them to the calling that God has for them until their final destination is reached. My encouragement this morning, we've had a bit of fun with it, is this. Go into all the world. 
preach the good news to all man. Don't be afraid. God will enable it. God will make it. This, isn't, this is not my opinion. This is actually the gospel. This is the word of God. He says, go. Each and every one of us have a calling on our life. It doesn't mean you have to go to the homeless person. It doesn't mean that you have to go onto the streets to do this. You've got neighbours. You've got friends. You've got family. You've got people you've known for years that don't know the gospel, but they know you. God knows them and wants them. God chases after them. This is our role. We are to be ambassadors, agents of the kingdom, and we need to see people come back to the Father. And it's not a big deal. You don't have to know scripture. You don't have to pray unbelievable. You don't have to wear a cloak or a gown. You have to use your mouth. You have to get connected with people and you have to tell them about the gospel because if you don't, they're going to hell. And that's a terrible place to go. We want everybody to know their destination, which is heaven. Which is where God wants everybody to go. So can I encourage you today, get up and go and tell people about Jesus. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.